Hello, this is Soroya here, and this is episode six of Kentucky Talks Podcast. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the last episode where I went deep into what the Bible says about the mind and mental illness. If you haven't listened to that episode or the other episodes I have of this podcast, please make sure to do so. You can like pause this one right here. You can go listen to my other ones. This podcast is available on Anchor. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please make sure to leave a review. Give this five stars if you're that willing to do so. And without further ado, we're going to get into what stigma looks like when it comes to mental health and mental illness. Now, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, also known as NAMI, N-A-M-I, there are seven types of stigma. Seven. Now, before I get into those seven, I think it's helpful to even tell you guys what the word stigma means. I believe it's very important to look into the true definition of words and the meaning of them because, first and foremost, as a human... I believe it helps us gain a better knowledge and understanding of the things around us. And secondly, as a Christian, when it comes to reading the Bible, the Bible comes in different versions and it comes in different languages. So to have a better understanding of what the word of God is saying, I believe it's so important to look up the definition of meanings of words. So with that being said, the word stigma means A mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. Now, like I said, according to NAMI, there are seven different types of stigma. Let's go into those types. Number one is public stigma. This happens when the public endorses negative stereotypes and prejudices, resulting in discrimination against people with mental health conditions. Number two is self-stigma. Self-stigma happens when a person with mental illness or substance use disorder internalizes public stigma. Number three, perceived stigma. Perceived stigma is the belief that others have negative cognitions about people with mental illness. Number four, label avoidance. This is when a person chooses not to seek mental health treatment to avoid being assigned a stigmatizing label. Label avoidance is one of the most harmful forms of stigma. Number five, stigma by association. Now, this occurs when the effects of stigma are extended to someone linked to a person with mental health difficulties. This type of stigma is also known as courtesy stigma and associative stigma. Number six, structural stigma. Institutional policies or other societal structures that result in decreased opportunities for people with mental illness are called structural stigma. And last and number seven is health practitioner stigma. This takes place anytime a health professional allows stereotypes and prejudices about mental illnesses to negatively affect a patient's care. 
Now, you're probably wondering why I even decided to make an episode like this to talk about stigma. Does stigma happen in the world today still? Yes. But it unfortunately still happens in the church. And when it comes to the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people, the people all around the world who have decided to proclaim Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They believe that he rose from the grave after three days. They believe that God created the world, like how it says in the Bible, etc., etc., etc. As someone who firsthand has experienced stigma in the church, and there are so many people that come to my mind when they share stories of me of the stigma that they have received in church and outside of church, the fact that it is still an ongoing thing makes me very sad. And it is for reasons like that, which is why I started this podcast, is why I have my mental health illness page on um, Instagram and why I've been so much more open in sharing about my mental health slash mental illness struggles because this stuff is real and I refuse to sit back and let people feel disgraced or ashamed because other people have these preconceived notions about them and they're not taking the time to to be understanding and compassionate. In my last episode, I talked about very real occurrences of mental health and mental illness in the Bible. And there was one occurrence that I should have put in that episode, but I believe it fits more in today with this episode when it comes to stigma. And that one other person that dealt with mental illness was Jesus Christ himself. Yes, you heard me correctly. I said Jesus Christ himself dealt with mental illness. And if you don't believe me, I will take you straight to the evidence, which is in the word of God. And that is in the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. I am reading the English Standard Version, and it reads, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter to temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, with me reading that scripture just now, you probably didn't pay attention to a specific detail that actually gives a clue to him dealing with the mental illness. And I will go back to the verse... To verse 43. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. 
And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now, that verse describes a very rare condition called hematidrosis or hematohydrosis. It is a rare condition that causes you to ooze or sweat blood from your skin when you're not cut or injured. The cause of this is connected to the body's fight or flight response, and it is caused by extreme distress or fear, aka anxiety. Yes, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Lord and Savior that died and rose again in three days, dealt with anxiety to the point where he sweated blood out of his face. Now, of course, with an everyday person, if I was to share information like that to them, they would be in shock because it's Jesus. And people, they think about the God godliness of Jesus, which, of course, is important to think about. But we forget that Jesus wasn't just God. He was human as well. And so when he came into this earth to be in our shoes, which he did not have to do, by the way, he came off a throne living lavish in heaven and decided to come down and be in our shoes. Part of being in our shoes is dealing with stuff like mental health and mental illness issues. And like how I said in the last episode, God did not intend for this to be a part of his world. That's what happens when, like in the beginning of the world, man fell into sin. And with that came darkness. The problem with stigma is that it has become very common to have negative attitudes and beliefs towards people who have a mental health condition. It can lead to discrimination. Discrimination may be obvious and direct, such as someone making a negative remark about your mental illness or your treatment, or it may be unintentional or subtle, such as someone avoiding you because the person assumes that you could be unstable, violent, or dangerous due to your mental illness. You may even judge yourself because of that. Some of just the harmful effects of stigma that can affect somebody is the reluctance to seek help or treatment, lack of understanding by family, friends, co-workers, or others, fewer opportunities for work, school, or social activities, or trouble finding housing, bullying, physical violence, and harassment, health insurance that doesn't adequately cover your mental illness treatment, and the belief that you'll never succeed at certain challenges or steps that you can't improve your situation. Now, with all of that being said, you're probably thinking, is there even a way to cope with this type of stigma that happens every single day? And the answer, thank God, is yes. First step you can do is get treatment. You may be reluctant to admit that you even need treatment. Please do not let the fear of being labeled with a mental illness prevent you from seeking help. Treatment can provide relief by identifying what's wrong and reducing symptoms that interfere with your work and personal life. Now, 
getting treatment doesn't automatically mean pills, medication. For some people, therapy alone is enough for them. For some people, medication alone works better than medication and therapy together for some people. It's different for everybody, but it is important to get treatment, to get help. Number two is to not let stigma create self-doubt and shame. Stigma doesn't just come from other people. You can mistakenly believe in yourself that your condition is a sign of personal weakness or that you should be able to control it without any help. Seeking counseling, educating yourself about your condition, and connecting with others who have mental illness can help you gain such a great self-esteem and help you overcome destructive self-judgment. Number three, don't isolate yourself. If you have a mental illness, you may be reluctant to tell anyone about it. Your family, friends, congregation, or members of your community can offer you support if they know about your mental illness. Reach out to people that you trust the most for the compassion, support, and understanding that you personally need. Number four, don't equate yourself with your mental illness. You're not an illness. Your illness is not your identity. So instead of saying I'm bipolar, say I have bipolar disorder. Instead of calling yourself a schizophrenic, say I have schizophrenia. Instead of saying I'm depressed, say I have depression and so on and so forth. Number five, join a support group. Some local and national groups, such as the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, offer local programs and internet resources to help reduce stigma by educating people who have mental illness, their families, and the general public. Some state and federal agencies and programs, such as those that focus on vocational rehabilitation and the Department of Veterans Affairs, offer support for people with mental illness. Number six, get help at school. If you or your child has a mental illness that affects learning, find out what plans and programs might help. Discriminations against students because of a mental illness is against the law, and educators at primary, secondary, and college levels are required to accommodate students as best as they can. Talk to teachers, professors, or administrators about the best approach and resources. If a teacher doesn't know about a student's disability, it can lead to discrimination, barriers to learning, and poor grades. And last but not least, number seven, speak out against stigma. Consider expressing your opinions at events, in letters to the editor, or on the internet. It could help instill courage in others facing similar challenges and educate the public about mental illness. Now, other people's judgments almost always stem from a lack of understanding rather than information based on facts. Learning to accept your condition and recognize what you need to do to treat it, seeking support, and helping educate others can make such a huge difference.
As for me, I'm not perfect and I can say that I'm still working on a lot of these methods of overcoming stigma myself. One of the few ways that I am doing it is that I am in treatment. I have two therapists, actually, and I have a psychiatrist. And the plus is that they're all women of color, which I think is super, super important to me as a young African-American woman. People that can relate to my experiences in that way. And I'm also on medication. I am on four different types of medication now. I'll talk about that in another episode if you guys would want Um, When it comes to like my personal treatment and what my treatment has looked like over the years and also the different types of treatment that are out there, because I think people just have this like very small window of understanding of what therapy can look like and what medication can look like, because medication doesn't just have to be pills. Medication can come in very holistic forms of treatment as well. But with all of that. Being said, this is the end of episode six of Kintsugi Talks podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode very, very, very much. And again, this podcast is available to listen to on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please make sure to leave a review. Give this podcast five stars. Share this with friends that you know it would benefit them to listen to. And until then, I'll see you in the next episode. God bless.